This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Good morning and welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. A very special day tomorrow as Woodbine marks the 50th anniversary of Secretariat's win at the Canadian International Stakes in 1973, where he, Big Red, destroyed the competition and powered his way to victory in what would be the final race of his incredible championship career. And tomorrow's International will be spectacular for a number of other reasons. It's the 84th edition. There are eight world-class equine athletes vying for top spot. And guess what? The purse is a whopping $750,000. Monique Vague, a member of Woodbine's broadcast team, will join us in moments to talk about Secretariat's magical run 50 years ago and offer us her insights into tomorrow's International. He's back. He's Keeneland Racetrack's announcer. He's one of the best in the biz. He's Kurt Becker. The Kentucky Thoroughbred Track opened its traditional autumn meet yesterday, and today Keeneland will feature several stakes races that could end up being showcases for the champions of tomorrow. Kurt Becker is our guest this morning on Ponies 24-7. He's at the post, ready to talk all things Keeneland. Tony O'Sullivan is Woodbine Mohawks Racing Secretary. He will be joining us shortly to pump up the volume on tonight's Jimmy Freight Stakes. Here's what's really cool. All eight horses running in this race were sired by Jimmy Freight, who, by the way, is entered in the following race. Tony O'Sullivan will give us the straight goods on the comings and goings at Woodbine Mohawk Park as it enters the home stretch of its 2023 season. And finally, he's back. My wonderful co-host Larry Simpson will once again try to sniff out some potential betting gems at Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, and some other North American tracks racing today with our Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. It's going to be a fantastic show, so please get your HPI and Dark Horse accounts ready to go for some heavy-duty action. When we come back, Larry Simpson will join us with our new show feature, in case you missed it, Ponies 24-7's recap of the week that was in horse racing news, sponsored by R. Bulk propane. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. More from the track when we come back on 105.9 The Region. Go from Dark Horse to Winner. Dark Horse is Woodbine's new easy-to-use betting app that brings the thrill of the track right to you. Its AI-powered insights and strategies help you make smarter bets straight out of the gate. Feel the excitement of live-streamed horse races wherever you go. Get $30 to start betting when you sign up today using promo code GET30. Download the app for free at PlayDarkHorse.com. Available on Android and Apple devices. The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA provides members and their hardworking employees with medical insurance, pensions, benevolence, negotiations with racetracks, and government government and provides vital industry information to the horse people. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. Lymphoma Canada and Ponies 24-7 recommend that you don't horse around with lymphoma. Lymphoma affects the lymphatic system of both horses and humans, and currently there are over 100,000 Canadians living with the disease. Lymphoma is also the most common cancer diagnosis for adolescents and young adults. Visit lymphoma.ca ponies to donate to the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma campaign. With your help, we can promote early detection, assist newly diagnosed patients, and support lymphoma research. 
This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. I'm Ann Romer, and let me introduce you to my co-host, Mr. Spot On, Larry Simpson, and it's, in case you missed it, a look at the week that was in horse racing news, sponsored by RS Bulk Propane. And I say spot on because you were right, as was Robert Geller, when it came to the winner of the Breeders' Stakes last Sunday. Uh, yeah, if you recall, uh, Robert and, and I had a discussion about uh, uh, a horse by the name of Touch and Ride, which was... Uh, uh, trained by uh, a friend of mine, Lane Guilaforte, and both of us thought that the horse had had some trouble in the King's Plate, and uh, where he he actually did get get cut off and lost his path for a bit. And Robert and I agreed that that race probably would would uh, suit him well for uh, last week's Breeder Stakes, and and it did. And I made the comment too; it was tough for a horse to break his maiden and go into a stakes race like the King's Plate. And so, which held true because what happened was it, it was the race after the King's Plate that this horse won. And it was just a, it was a phenomenal race. Uh, it was a very close finish. And uh, uh, yeah, I was, I was happy. And I know Robert was, he sent me a text. <laughs> <laughs> Saying, smart man, both of you, I'll say it, you both were very smart, spot on, as I mentioned. Thank you, Larry. That's In Case You Missed It, sponsored by RS Bulk Propane on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Are you looking for a reliable propane supplier for your home or business? Look no further than RS Bulk Propane, Canadian owned and family operated. With our premium propane solutions, you'll experience warmth like never before. We offer competitive prices, automated deliveries, and exceptional customer service. Don't let the cold get the best of you. Stay cozy with RS Bulk Propane. Visit rspropane.com or call us today at 855-225-0225. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. How great to have Monique Vague, a member of Woodbine's excellent broadcast team, with us this morning. Lots to discuss with her, including tomorrow's $750,000 Canadian International Stakes and a look back at the International's winner 50 years ago, Secretariat. Monique Vague, broadcaster and handicapper, welcome to the show. Good to have you with us. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so looking forward to this. Any excuse to talk racing, I'm always down. So I'm really excited. A person after my own heart. (laughs) 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 Thanks for doing this, uh, by the way. But let's, let's talk about the international and what is it that makes it so special? So it's amazing to get the opportunity to see these horses that we usually don't see. It's it's such a it's such a treat and a pleasure to be able to see some of these horses that have had the opportunity to race everywhere and go to all these locations, which are so on my bucket list and <laughs> so envious. But it's just incredible to be able to see just the top horses in the world competing on our world-renowned turf course, and it's just it's incredible to be able to see the way some of these shippers perform and meet some of these connections we don't always get an opportunity to see. So I just find it so incredibly unique. And we're usually blessed with some pretty full and deep fields, which makes for handicapping a little bit tricky, but we always love that puzzle. And can we talk about uh, the field for tomorrow's race? What do you see? What do you know? And what are you sensing in terms of, you know, who could stand out tomorrow? So what's always so unique about the international is just the fact that it's usually dominated by shippers. It's, 
we we always love and we always sentimentally root for these horses that we're accustomed to seeing on a on a biweekly basis or monthly basis. But there's so many, and in particular, there's a horse that we don't have the opportunity to see all that much, in the sense of it being Nation's Pride. Now, this is a horse that's going to be a really really short price for me. The way I kind of tackle that is usually trying to single in some of those multi legs. But this is a multiple graded stakes winning horse. I always love to look and kind of evaluate the competition the horse has been able to beat as well. Uh, the runner-up finisher in the last time his horse race in Germany went on to win a grade two contest. And it's just incredible to be able to see these horses that, you know, as I mentioned, we haven't been able to see before. So it's kind of the standout for me in the international. Um, in terms of some of the local horses, Palazzi has been a horse that we've just had the pleasure of being able to, to watch race. Tactically, I love that the horse is capable of running off of different types of trips and being effective that way. Because ultimately, when we start looking at races like this, it does boil down to, to trip usually. I think this is a horse that won't be too far out of it. And if anyone's going to upset the apple cart, I think that could be the one. Hmm. What's the qualifying like for this race? So it's it's open. So you have the opportunity to kind of declare. And for us, it's it's always one of those a couple weeks ahead. We hear all the, the rumblings and we are looking forward to seeing who's going to be entered and who's actually going to make the trip out. Another thing, too, with the jockeys, that's one thing we always love to see the international jockeys here. And uh, of course, the familiarity with the horse, too. That's that's one thing I think. And I'm sure you both can echo that same sentiment, just being able to know the kind of the quirks with the horse, if they have any, um, the familiarity of riding on our turf course as well. So that's one thing that I think is really interesting and usually gives some of these international shippers, whether it be horses or jockeys, a little bit of, a, of an edge. And there's also a terrific undercard tomorrow, right? You've got the, uh, the E.P. Taylor Stakes and the Highlander Stakes. Now, let's talk a little bit about the E.P. Taylor Stakes because I think there's a horse that everybody is familiar with in there, and that's Moira. <laughs> yeah, it was so exciting to be able to see her bounce back in the way she did because she was a horse that, it was so unfortunate because she just had such bad luck. She was winless heading into the prior contest, but she was so close on so many of those occasions. Just some of those traffic-filled trips things just didn't pan out and we love racing for that and it's fun and it's fun to be able to kind of make some of those excuses when they're obviously there and that's been the case for her and for me as much as I try to stay completely unbiased it's so difficult to not root for a horse like Moira where you just see how enthusiastic and enthralled the, the connections are and how emotional Rafael Hernandez was in the winner's circle too when she was finally able to to kind of make that transition out of her three-year-old campaign and have that success and to win the way she did. It's so incredible to see and kind of the rivalry she has with Fev Rover as well. So it's a very, very wide open contest, kind of the opposite of the international, in my opinion. And what will you be doing th through tomorrow's races? So we're going to be really busy at the desk. Um, we also have another member of our broadcast team, Elisa Blow, who is truly incredible. She's another one very familiar with both breeds. She's going to help us with a lot of the interviews. Um, Jeff and I are going to be splitting up the interview duties, sitting at the desk, trying to, trying to handicap, trying our best to, to sometimes, you know, 
take it for some of the ones we don't have a great read on but of course you know put in all the work and all you can really do is is trust your analysis and trust your handicapping and and really take into account the way the track is playing out the day of and of course heading into it because for me it's always it's always about kind of backing the hot hands whether it be a jock or a barn that's finally starting to heat up and I find if you can get them on a roll then you might be rewarded with a nice price and you kind of know a little bit more what to expect. You were mentioning about Elisa, who we had on the show a few times in the past, and uh, how she is adapted both the standard bread and the thoroughbred, like yourself. Uh, you moved from the standard bread side to the thoroughbred side. Uh, why did you make that move, and do you prefer one breed over the other when you're doing handicapping? Trying to get me in trouble with that question. <laughs> You're going to answer like, it. You'll be. You'll be great answering. We're all ears. <laughs> it's like it's like choosing your favorite child. You can't. You can't possibly do that. There's so many different unique things with with both breeds. Obviously, I find with the thoroughbreds, it's a lot more challenging in the sense that there's a lot more analytics and a lot more data that I think you need to incorporate, whether it be, of course, racing on different surfaces, different distances, a lot of, um, a lot more unfamiliarity with a lot of the horses. Cause on the standard bread side, the horses we usually see, we see them on a weekly basis. So there's some merit to that. I mean, obviously being, being more familiar with those horses and kind of knowing what to expect but I've always loved both. I, I just find with the thoroughbreds, the full fields you can't beat. As mentioned, our turf courses here are just truly a thing of beauty. Um, it's just incredible. It's, it, it's so difficult, and I love both. So I can't choose my favorite, but <laughs> when, you, when we're talking the opportunity to, to race all year long and in the winter, then standard bread has my heart in that sense because there's always that action. And how do you prepare for a race when you're, when you're wearing your handicapping hat? For instance, do you look at past races, the video? Do you look at the stats? Uh, do you watch you know, races live in person as much as you can leading up to the particular race that you're going to handicap? Yeah, I think it's one of those where the more information, the better. Sometimes you end up second-guessing yourself and you kind of flood yourself with too much information. So I always find that it's important to take a break, kind of step back and reevaluate the race a little bit later. If you don't have a great read on it initially, I always take a little bit of a break, look and see if anything else stands out and then go back to it. But I always say it doesn't necessarily matter what type of learning style you you are best with. I think visually there's so many things that you get from watching the replays, even if you're not a body language expert or a trip expert, just being able to, to visually see those things are so useful. And we do a great job um, in terms of our team and in, in charting all the races, giving all the comments that, you know, necessarily you wouldn't be able to, to tune into every single horse. So kind of relying on all the information available is always helpful. And there's nothing like being there in person. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can be distracting, but being there in person, seeing the races that way um, and seeing who, who is finishing strong is always important. Who's kind of getting their steam going a little bit past the wire too. That's, there's always just so many kind of little things that you pick up on. And the more you are uh, around it, the more you, you realize how you're constantly, constantly learning. And that's my favorite part of the game. You're obviously very passionate about horse racing. Where did this passion come from? And was that even at an early age? Always. I grew up going to the racetrack with my parents. Um, My dad had a couple of horses as a hobby. Um, But for me, it was just being there, the atmosphere, the adrenaline, the excitement, 
Um, I really look at horse racing as just so elegant, such a thing of, of beauty. Um, obviously really big into fashion too. So that helps that excuse to kind of get dressed up, enjoy great food. Um, but for me, I, I really took a really strong passion pretty early on in high school where I, I realized I always loved being at the track, but I didn't necessarily know how to read a form and I didn't know what to look for. So you develop kind of things that you look for in races and things that help you. And I've always wanted to kind of advance my skills and I've always been someone that wants to learn and take in as much information as possible. So I found that horse racing was just such a perfect fit. And you're a great handicapper. How did you end up, though, on the broadcast side of things? How did that take place? So it was one of those things where I've always followed along with racing, particularly the bigger days, and I tried to get really interactive on social media and, and build connections in the industry. And for me, it was once I finished school, it was always what was I going to do? I felt I had a ton of different options I would potentially have wanted to go down. And actually, the track announcer, Ken Middleton at Mohawk, has been a really good friend of mine. And he said, I think you should try it. I think you should step out of your comfort zone. I know how much you love racing. I think you'll be really good at this. And I've always loved it. It was just one thing I didn't necessarily know if I could do. Kind of the transition from doing a lot of more journalistic work and more writing as opposed to being on camera. So I said, you know, worst case scenario, I don't, I don't love it. I could just pick up more, uh, more skills and, and get more familiar with that. And again, getting out of my comfort zone. And it was just being, having the opportunity to talk about something you love so much. I know you guys know this too. It's just, it makes your job so much easier and it doesn't even feel like work. So that's kind of the, the way I got into it. And, never looked back. I mean, it's just so incredible to be able to to have this job. And I feel so privileged and, and blessed. And you do a great job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking about never looking back, let's talk a little bit about your, just a little bit about your handicapping. What do you find the biggest difference between handicapping standardbreds and thoroughbreds? Probably the fact that there's so many question marks, especially for horses that are either trying a different surface or a different distance for the first time. It's so tough because when you don't have much analytics to go off of or a big sample size, you're leaning so much more heavily on the trainer's stats or the the rider's stats or the pedigree of the horse, which is in and of itself so much work and so much detail that goes into it. I find with thoroughbred racing too, so much of it is, well, both are very, very trip dependent, kind of where you are situated in the race. But on the standard bread side, I feel you have a, usually a better read. You know, you're drawing towards the outside. Oftentimes you're not utilizing as much gate speed. You're kind of taking back early on, hoping to work out a cover trip. Whereas on the thoroughbred side, usually I find it's the opposite. Because an outside draw, you're trying to kind of usually, if you have enough speed, jet out of there, get that good early positioning. So I think a lot of it is obviously about the trip, which you can try to handicap as much as you want, but sometimes a bad break kind of takes you out of the equation early. And then that's another one of those things where you go back to the drawing board and you try to figure it out next time, or you have the opportunity to, to get horses at a nicer price too, if you can find those excuses. Wow. You are in... Incredible. Handicapper, <laughs> broadcaster, fashion-forward individual, major horse lover, dying to know what's next. We'll have to do that again when we meet on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Monique Vague, thank you very much for joining us on the show. 
Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. This was so much fun. And <laughs> I want to get your thoughts. Have you guys had an opportunity to, to look over the international? Anything that kind of stands out to either of you? Larry? Um, I have, and I think I kind of agree with what you were, were t- I don't usually agree with other handicappers, but <laughs> today I am. <laughs> when it's the favorites, it's, it's tough to play, cause especially kind of one of those Godolphin horses too, which we know exactly. doesn't have that success, but it's going to be so much fun. And, you know, next time I come on, I will make it my goal to give you guys a nice long shot that hopefully comes through. Yeah. Listen, you've, you've done so well right now. Thank you. We look forward to the next time. Monique yeah. Vague, uh, again, much appreciated and enjoy this weekend. Thank you guys so much for having me again. Mm-hmm. Thank you. When we come back, friend of the show and Keeneland Thoroughbred announcer Kurt Becker joins us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Follow us on Twitter at 1059 The Region. We'll be right back. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. Pineview Hyundai, the smart choice of automobile dealerships, combining horses and horsepower. For over 35 years, the Romeo family has been a part of the Ontario thoroughbred racing industry, and they want to invite you to visit their Pineview dealership and view their award-winning Hyundai lineup today and take advantage of some hot summer savings deals. Come see us at 3790 Highway 7 in Vaughan. Call us at 905-851-2851 to make an appointment or visit our website, pineviewauto.com, and see why Pineview Hyundai remains the smart choice. Ontario Racing, the excitement of thoroughbred, standard bred, and quarter horse racing at 15 racetracks. We are the voice of the Ontario horse racing industry, and we direct breed improvement programs, set annual race dates, and work on attracting new horse owners and race fans. Ontario Racing is committed to supporting a vibrant industry with one vision, working together for a stronger horse racing community. To get your horsepower, go to OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing, three breeds. One vision. This is 1059 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. We are thrilled to be joined by Caneland race course announcer Kurt Becker, one of the best in the business. Now, this race course recently began its famed fall race meet and today hosting several major stakes races with some Breeders' Cup implications. Kurt, welcome back to the show. Well, it's good to be back on with you, and it's a fun time of year. Uh, sport of thoroughbred racing. You know, we go through the springtime here in the States with the Triple Crown, and then in the fall we get the benefit of the, the Breeders' Cup World Championships and all the races leading up to that, so it's a lot of fun. So let's talk about today in, at uh, Keeneland, Kurt. And uh, in total, I think you've got, what, five stakes races, and, and most of them have got Breeders' Cup implications, don't they? They, they do, and uh, I mean, it seems like throughout the course of this weekend, 
whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow on the Sunday card, there are uh, uh, races for, for just about every purpose. Uh, there, there are graded stakes races on the grass. There are graded stakes races on the dirt. Uh, there are sprints. There are two-turn races. So uh, it, it, the, big, the big features today, the, the Coolmore Turf Mile with implications for uh, the Breeders' Cup Mile on, on the grass, and then the, the, also the, the Claiborne Breeders' Futurity, which is a grade one for uh, juvenile colts and geldings. So uh, obviously some implications there for uh, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. So it, it is. There's, there's a lot happening, and, and I think a lot of questions will be answered. Here's a question for you to answer. You've had the opportunity to call some Breeders' Cup cards. What's that like, and, and how do you prepare for that? I love this question because it is such a privilege to have been involved with the Breeders' Cup on three occasions here at Keeneland, and it's such an honor uh, to be able uh, to do that. And I'm, I'll start by saying I'm grateful for the fact that we live in a day and age where the track announcer is allowed to do the track call. I, I'm old enough to remember mm. back when the Breeders' Cup began, and for the first probably uh, 20 years or maybe even more, whoever did the call for network television would actually put on the headset and do the house call as well. I'm grateful that that policy has changed. But number two, it's such a, it takes a lot of prep. You've got so many horses that you as a track announcer have never called, especially the horses coming over from Europe. So what I do is I look at a lot of video in the days leading up to the Breeders' Cup. And then if you've done your homework, you can actually enjoy the day. I have found <laughs> that the Breeders' Cup, the pressure is the prep. It, that when the day get, when the two days get there, it, you just, as a race fan, you can't help but have fun calling those races. Of all the Breeders' Cup races that you called, uh, Kurt, what was the maybe the best one or the best race of all of them? I think that for me personally, the one that stands out was in 2020 when Whitmore won the Breeders' Cup sprint. Uh, he, he was, golly, six, seven, eight years old at that point, and I thought his best days were behind him. In fact, I was surprised uh, when Ron Moquette put him in there, and, and <laughs> Ron proved there's a reason he trains horses and I don't, because mm -hmm. he had that horse ready to run. The horse felt great. And uh, for sentimental reasons, to see that horse bounce back and have such a huge run down the stretch, that was maybe my favorite uh, Breeders' Cup race that I called. Having said that, uh, I think that as far as most memorable, we, we have had three tremendous editions of the Breeders' Cup Classic here. We had uh, American Pharaoh with his farewell when he won his final career start. We had Authentic in the COVID year who went uh, wire to wire, led every step of the way on an absolutely spectacular fall afternoon. And then Flightline last year, who came in with a, a lot of advanced hype and a lot of publicity and, and lived up to the billing and just ran them off their feet. So all three of those classics are certainly memorable to me. And Kurt, do we dare look ahead to the Breeders' Cup? I mean, what are you sensing? What are you feeling? And what do you know? I know this much. I know that going back to Santa Anita, I think that is a tremendous setting for the Breeders' Cup. Uh, Santa Anita is a beautiful racetrack with the San Gabriel Mountains along the uh, the backstretch. And, you know, the other thing people don't always talk about is the paddock. You've got uh, the pepper trees in the paddock. It's just a beautiful facility. Now, with that said, I, I think one thing that always surprises me when the Breeders' Cup goes to Santa Anita, it always surprises me how well the Europeans do in the races there, because I think the conventional wisdom is often that, well, the Southern California climate is so much different. Uh, it's, it's warm. 
and it's humid, and it's not like uh, you know the more crisp and dry and cooler climate in Europe that these horses often experience. The grass overseas is often a lot softer. It's uh, the turf is much harder in Southern California. It always seems to me that the conventional wisdom goes out the window and that the Europeans tend to run some big races at Santa Anita. So I'm going to be curious to see if that holds up again this year. And usually weather is pretty good at that time at Santa Anita, correct? It is always fantastic. <laughs> I've, I've had a chance to work a number of the Breeders' Cup events as an analyst for network radio through the years, and it, it just is one of those. Look, I'm not much of a morning person. I'll put it this way. I'm the kind of person that if I, I, I tend to sleep late, and then I'm a night owl, I stay up late at night, but on the occasions that I have been to Southern California, I can't wait to get up. I love getting up before dawn. I love being at Santa Anita to see the sun come up because it's just the weather usually is just spot on. You know, it's interesting what you just said sparked a question. Why is it that most horse races take place in the afternoon, the early evening, and at night? Why don't they start? Why don't they ever take place early, early in the morning? That is an interesting question, and I think that probably... Uh, uh, a big part of it might have been just the way tradition, the way that the sport evolved over the years. But then, then you think about the fact that uh, you, you know there's so much work, and and I <laughs> I am the world's worst. I should get to the backstretch more than I do. But again, I'm not a morning person. But with that said, I know the folks that really do the real work in this industry. They are up before dawn, and I mean, there's so much they've got to do in the mornings. And I guess that. Probably with the work schedule, with the the gallops and the breezes and the drills in the morning, and and uh, the you know making sure the horses get a proper foundation under them from day to day, making sure they're properly cared for. I guess it just worked out that uh, show up bright and early, get get your maintenance work done, so to speak, and then go racing in the afternoon. And as a racetrack announcer, you like those schedules. <laughs> <laughs> I do very much. You, as, as a racetrack announcer and as someone who's not a morning person, I'm glad we race in the afternoon. <laughs> well, speaking of a racetrack announcer, you're actually the only announcer that Keeneland has ever had. Uh, tell us the story about how that came about. And do you remember that first day? I can remember uh, the fact that it was significant in the sense that Keeneland had existed for 60 years without a track announcer. And the reason for that was that when the place was founded back in the 1930s, the founders said that they wanted racing as it was meant to be. And their reasoning, if you go back uh, to Europe and trace racing's roots back to its origins, there were no PA systems uh, in the 1600s. Uh, there was no track commentator. And I think that they wanted very much to bring that kind of atmosphere to the public. And the reason it changed is by the time we got to the 1990s, uh, you had simulcasting going on, and the signal showing the Keeneland races would be sent to off-track locations, and then it became a necessity to have a track announcer. I, I will say this. Uh, the, the, our friends in Canada have had a key role at Keeneland over the years, and Canada's played a, a really key part in our history, both racing and sales. You know, you look back, and just picking one horse in particular, back before my time, the great Northern Dancer, uh, he won our signature race, the Bluegrass Stakes. And then it was Northern Dancer. His offspring were so popular at the Keeneland sales going back to the 1970s and 1980s. You know, a lot of folks will say Northern Dancer helped build 
the Keeneland Sales and the and the Keeneland Sales Pavilion, in a manner of speaking. So uh, I always get a kick out of that, and and not just because I'm on the show with you all, but uh, I've made a lot of friendships with horsemen and race fans from Canada, both in horse racing and in motorsports over the years. And uh, I love what Canadians have brought to the game and how they have enrich Keeneland in particular. You know, it's interesting you uh, talk about Northern Dancer, and tomorrow uh, at Woodbine, we are celebrating the 50th anniversary of Secretariat's win at the Canadian International Stakes, which, you know, really is quite incredible. I know you're not old enough to have been a part of the industry at that point when Secretariat was at his prime, but what are your thoughts on a horse like Secretariat? You know, Secretariat is incredible to me because he transcended the sport and he became really a part of pop culture. Uh, a horse that, that has the power not only to grab the attention back at that time, uh, 50 years ago, of folks within the industry, but even 50 years later, people who are not in the business, people who are not in the industry still talk about Secretariat. I think that is what is amazing to me about him. And yet, I, I was four years old at the time that he made his run uh, through the Triple Crown and then wrapped up his career in, in Canada. I will say this. My father was calling harness races oh. at a small track in western Kentucky back at that time. And I remember, I do remember as a kid, my dad and my mom talking that my dad was calling harness races on the night of the day that Secretariat won the Derby, and it was special to my dad just to be involved in some form of equine racing on that day in Kentucky. Wow. That's amazing. You got in, you were involved a bit, too, in, in the Standardbreds, were you not? That is correct. I actually, having grown up in a Standardbred family, uh, with my dad having been a Standardbred caller, and, and he's gone now. He passed about two years ago. But I, I grew up going to county fairs and state fairs across the Midwestern United States, and my dad would call races, and I would sit in the stands and listen. There's no explaining why certain things will take with a child. I've got two brothers, and, and racing, they respect it, but they never had an interest in a career in it. And for whatever reason, with me, what my dad did really took with me, and I, I was fascinated with it. And it, it, he was, it was fun for me in later years because even though he was a, a standard bread guy, first and foremost, he had a lot of respect for the thoroughbred business. As I said back, I can remember this as a child, he would pay attention to the Triple Crown races. It meant something to him and to my mom. And I know that Dad really enjoyed it. Uh, he always enjoyed tuning into the Keeneland races. And, and I will admit, I, I, it's, it, you know, it, you, you should never take your parents for granted. And I do miss getting those phone calls from Dad this time of year. And I'm grateful for all the years that I had it. And, you know, he is, he has passed away, as you mentioned, but I, he was alive for long enough to certainly see how successful you are as a thoroughbred announcer. What advice has he given you over the years? I learned a lot from my dad just by him allowing me to sit and observe and listen as I was growing up. But, you know, he still had his ways. My dad could send subtle hints to me, and I, and I always got a kick out of the way he would do it. I'll give you an example. In the harness horse business, one of the events I still work is a standard bred yearling sale. And I remember uh, a couple of years ago, my father was suffering from cancer. And he, he would tune in, and he would follow the, the sale online. And there, there was a sire, still is a sire, in the standard bread business, 
whose name is kind of odd. It's all it's a bunch of letters and words all run together. And the name is J.K. End of an Era. But it's all strung together as one word. And I had been calling it J.K. Endofanera. And, and I remember my dad calling me after the sale, and he said, you know, he said, uh, I thought those yearlings by J.K. End of an Era sold well tonight. And I knew <laughs> he was sending me a subtle hint, son, you're mispronouncing that horse's oh, name. Oh, <laughs> he sounds great. And that's the way to do it for sure. Wow. Well, before we let you go, Kurt, because I know you're very busy on this Saturday, speaking of Saturday's card, is there one horse that you think sticks out that uh, we can pass on to our listeners? That is a tough call, and, I'll t- and I'm not trying to dodge the question. I actually told someone this morning coming in, this Saturday card, and probably the Sunday card as well, in the time I've been at Keeneland, I don't know that I've ever seen races like this on Fall Stars Weekend. You know, what, what your listeners might find this weekend, in the past, we seem to have these big, bulky fields where everybody was was throwing something into a race just hoping to, to get some, uh, you know, a chance to go to the Breeders' Cup. This year, our fields for these stakes races, they're not as big and bulky. They're more like seven, eight, nine-horse fields instead of 12 and 14 but I think they are much more evenly matched, and I think you've got a lot of legitimate contenders from top to bottom. I guess if, if you want to pin me down, Annapolis, the defending champion in the Coolmore Turf Mile, I'm curious. He pulled a mild upset last year, and I'm curious to see if he can do it again today. Well, we're going to find out soon enough. Thank you so <laughs> much, Kurt Becker, Keeneland Racetrack's only announcer forever and ever. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Thank you both. It's a pleasure. Time now for a break. When we come back, Woodbine Mohawks Racing Secretary Tony O'Sullivan joins us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Are you looking for a reliable propane supplier for your home or business? Look no further than RS Bulk Propane, Canadian-owned and family-operated. With our premium propane solutions, you'll experience warmth like never before. We offer competitive prices, automated deliveries, and exceptional customer service. Don't let the cold get the best of you. Stay cozy with RS Bulk Propane. Visit rspropane.com or call us today at 855-225-0225. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Woodbine Mohawk Park Racing Secretary Tony O'Sullivan joins us again today. We're thrilled about that. He's going to bring us up to speed on what's happening at the Campbellville Standard Bread Track, and in particular, an unusual stakes event being held there. Tony, welcome back to the show, and I can't wait to talk about the Jimmy Freight Stakes. Yeah, thank you, Larry. Thank you, Anne, and and, uh, happy to be back on uh, talking to you guys again. Yeah, well, thanks for doing this, Tony, and let's let's talk about the Jimmy Freight Stakes, and 
It's a kind of a unique uh, stakes event that you guys have put together. Uh, talk about how it came about and and what it uh, contains or constitutes, I guess you'd say. Uh, yeah, so the, the Jimmy Freight uh, stake was actually um, put together uh, before I got there. It was a, an idea of, of the, the then sole owner of Jimmy Freight, Adriano Sorella, um, that he wanted to promote Jimmy Freight as a stallion and, and came up with an idea that he would have a one-off stake race. And, um, you know, Woodbine took it on board. So it's, I guess, been kind of three years in, in the making. And um, it, it's a wonderful idea. It's a, it's a really good initiative by Adriano to, to promote uh, the breeding side of the industry. Okay, so is it true that all of the horses in this stake race were sired by Jimmy Freight? Yes, the 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 criteria for the the stake was they had to be sired by Jimmy Freight. Um, originally, there was a, a minimum uh, starts this year because obviously they're only two year olds. Um, but just due to the the lower number of of horses that I think were bred um, and potentially made it to the races, it, it became an open stake for Jimmy Freight sired only. But there is no stipulation on the amount of starts that a a horse have had, has had to have or money earned or anything like that. So the eight races that we have, uh, the eight horses, sorry, that we have going forward tonight, um, that they're the ones that nominated. They're all by Jimmy Freight and, and they're racing for a hundred grand. And it's kind of cool because Jimmy Freight himself, uh, the stallion is actually racing in the next race uh, tonight. Is that correct? Yeah, no, that's correct. He, uh, you know, it's kind of how things have worked out. He qualified a couple of times. Um, as you, you guys would probably know and some of the listeners would know, he was down with Brett Pelling in, in New Jersey for quite a while. Uh, he's had a few minor setbacks, to, to my knowledge, and um, he's been sent back up to Richard Moreau to uh, definitely get going again. Um, I have no idea whether he stays or he eventually goes back to the U.S., but for sure to have him racing on the night uh, of a race named after him I think mm. is wonderful. And... Um, I just kind of thought it would be a good idea to put them close together. Obviously, Adriano will probably have friends and, and family there with him, and, and he likes to, to celebrate and, and do everything right. So, um, yeah, I just thought it was kind of cool to have them close together, and, and having them having him race on the same night is uh, it's pretty unique. It probably won't happen again. What will the fans and, and the betters think of this? Imagine, again, the, race, the horses racing in the Jimmy Freight Stake, they're all sired by Jimmy Freight, and he's going to be there. I mean, honestly, that you, it's like a Hollywood movie. What will the fans and the betters think of this? I mean, I, I would like to think that they'll they'll think it's kind of a unique situation and, and embrace it. Um, I'm sure there's there's some you know things being done in the dining room, and and it'll it'll be full as it usually is on a, a Saturday night. Um, I think the gamblers will find it interesting. I think the Jimmy Freight race itself. There there is one filly that has done quite well this year, and. And then there's a couple that are, you know, they've shown ability and shown some speed, but they're lightly raced, and and who knows, one of those might step up. And um, probably for Adriano, a perfect scenario is Jimmy Freight goes on and and wins the the next race, the preferred pace. For our listeners, uh, we could talk a little bit about uh, your role at Woodbine as the uh, racing secretary and uh, how you traded a, a training career and I'd say it was a successful training career into kind of like an administration shop job. Uh, yeah, so the, the role of the race secretary is um, I set all of the conditions for the races at, at Mohawk. Um, 
so anything you see on there is is you know my doing whether um, conditions are cli- uh, changed um, accordingly to to what the horse population is on a on a given day or a given week um, kind of always trying to look for ways to to put something new on the condition sheet, so to speak, and, and draw in new horses and, and just keep it kind of interesting. Um, also, obviously, work closely with Bill McClinchy on the, the staking schedule for where, you know, we're looking into 2024 already. And uh, also, you know, I have an input in, in terms of the Ontario Sire Stakes program and where some of those races are placed at, at Mohawk, uh, depending on where we think, you know, we might might need to stake races and also to stay uh, on a, a timely schedule with the Grand Circuit races so potentially horses can hit, hit everything they need to. Um, yeah, I mean, I trained horses for 25 years and and uh, I would like to say it was, was quite successful. We were lucky to, to operate a stable in New Jersey and Canada for a few years and, and lucky enough to win a lot of major stake races uh, in Ontario and also nearly every state in uh, every major state in, in the United States anyway. So um, pretty proud of that. And, and it was just a kind of a timing thing. I, I wanted to be able to spend more time with my wife and, and daughters as the daughters grow older. And um, training is, is 110%, 24-7. And, and it was just kind of a decision that I made. Um, and also on a personal level, I, I wanted to see if I could transition uh, onto the, the management administration side um, and challenge myself. And, um, you know, I would like to think it's, it's worked out quite well. And does it give you a leg up, do you think, when it, it comes to being the racing secretary for Woodbine Mohawk, having spent so much time on the training side of things? One, 100% it does. There, there's, um, there's nothing better than uh, personal experience, boots on the ground, so to speak, you can look at earnings of, of horses or numbers of of uh, sales in any type of business, but if you've got the experience of, of being on the other side, it, it certainly helps because we can, I feel anyway, um, we can look through uh, maybe the numbers that are right in front of us, but actually be able to, able to identify what the horse's ability really is, regardless of, of what their earnings are. And I, I believe it, it uh, helps. And um, I really try to, to work with not necessarily always the numbers, but look at horses individually that, that might be struggling, even though their earnings show they're not, and, and try and accommodate them and, and get them back to earning money again for the, the owners and the trainers. It probably helps, too, that you did have a background in the business as a, as a trainer, especially when you're basically dealing with trainers and owners on a daily basis. It's just like being a trainer, right? Yeah, I, I absolutely, Larry. I think there's a um, there's probably a mutual respect between myself and and the trainers that I raced against for a long time, and and then I'd like to think some of the young and up and coming ones would would also you know know that I I have the knowledge even though I'm not training anymore, um, and and then also you know I can I know what they've been through right. There's um, after training for so long and such a, a wide variety of of horses. There's not very many situations that I haven't seen, and and I do believe that helps with trainers when they can potentially say to me, "Hey, you know, we're we're having an issue, and and uh, you know the horse is kind of struggling, and and whatever." And I I do think that helps, and then it also helps that I can read between the lines and and know when um, 
you know, maybe the wool's getting pulled over your eyes a little bit, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. Tony O'Sullivan, who helped you make that transition to racing secretary? Was there someone that was kind of a a mentor for you? Yeah, I I have a a very good friend, uh, Clay Horner, who um, was on the, the board of uh, Woodbine Entertainment for a long time. He was actually chairman of the board. He's been actively involved in um, owning and breeding standard breads. Um, he's he was uh, he actually owns part of Moira. He's part of the X Men Syndicate, and was a very very successful uh, mergers and acquisitions lawyer. And he uh, him and I have been friends for a long time. And uh, you know I I've I've leaned on him. He's he knows me probably better than anybody and. Um, he was a big influence in, in terms of giving me the confidence to take the, the chance that was in front of me um, and, and move forward and be confident with it. Um, obviously, it, it was a very big decision, and, and I talked to my family a lot there back in New Zealand. Um, so they, they were influential, but really Clay was somebody that, that, because he knows everything about the business and he also knows me very well, he was probably the number one person that, that really helped me with this uh, big transition. And you actually replaced um, Scott McKelvey, who was kind of an icon in, in the racing business, uh, especially the old Ontario Jockey Club and, and uh, now Woodbine. And that, uh, uh, did you ask him for advice when you first started? I, I mean, I, I've, I know Scott very well, right? I dealt with him for a long time. Yeah. Um, obviously when I was training and, and he and I had a lot of really good conversations over the years. And, um, I, I actually only got to spend about four months with him before he, he retired maybe five months. And, um, I, I think because I, I innately knew, um, how racing, you know, how racing, um, goes and how, it, how involved it is. I think I had a little bit of knowledge, but Scott certainly helped with, you know, when you, you got to remember when you first start a job like that and, and you were presented with, let's say, 150 horses in an entry box uh, and you're looking at nothing but numbers, um, it can be very overwhelming. Um, and having somebody like Scott that I transitioned off where he can say, hey, I've seen this before, similar to, you know, my experience on the training side certainly helps. So um, Scott's a wonderful guy and, and uh I, I haven't talked to him for a while now, but um, he absolutely was you know, helpful when, uh, when he moved on and I moved in. Tony, Woodbine Mohawk Park is entering the home stretch of its 2023 season. How's it been and what are we looking forward to? Uh, it, it's been a really good season, guys. Um, I think we've exceeded expectations again. The, the overall wagering, our, our fiscal year starts uh, April 1st, and we're at um, almost $252 million already, which is is about 3% higher than we were this time last year, which um, you may not remember, but last year uh, we were $450 or so million, um, which was, was a record. So the wagering department's happy, which means the finance people are happy, which <laughs> means uh, the bosses are happy. So um, from, a, from a business point of view, I think everything's... Uh, all go at Woodbine. It's um, it's been another successful year. Our major stakes were fantastic. The crowds were good. The the hospitality crew and and the general manager at, at Mohawk that put on the events and and kind of spruce the place up for the big races. They've done a wonderful job, and I really think that that they're starting to see the 
the fruits of their labour now, and, and the place has got a, a pretty good buzz about it, in my opinion. Tony, thanks for doing this, and uh, good luck for the rest of the season, and we'll have you back on real soon. That would be great. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Anne, and have a good day. And thank you, Tony. After the break, Larry Simpson looks at some racing action today around North America, including Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, and, of course, some other racing at several North American tracks. So please make sure your HPI accounts and Dark Horse app are ready to work overtime again today. Stay with us for Larry's Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Discover a new breed of excitement with Live Horse Racing. Ontario Racing represents 15 racetracks where you can experience the excitement of thoroughbred, standard bred, and quarter horse racing. To find the racetrack nearest you, go to ontarioracing.com. New to betting? Check out our Betting 101 page and learn about the HPI Bet Wagering platform and the Dark Horse app. The best and safest online betting options. Get your horsepower at ontarioracing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing. Three breeds, one vision. The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA promotes the exchange of ideas to further advance, market and preserve live racing in Ontario while offering new thoroughbred ownership opportunities. Membership to the HBPA is free for owners and trainers. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. Pineview Hyundai, the smart choice of automobile dealerships, combining horses and horsepower. For over 35 years, the Romeo family has been a part of the Ontario thoroughbred racing industry, and they want to invite you to visit their Pineview dealership and view their award-winning Hyundai lineup today and take advantage of some hot summer savings deals. Come see us at 3790 Highway 7 in Vaughan. Call us at 905-851-2851 to make an appointment or visit our website, pineviewauto.com, and see why Pineview Hyundai remains the smart choice. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Before we wrap up our show, what would Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, be without a couple of possible betting opportunities and potential betting gems as Larry gives us his Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. And Larry, I think back to what you mentioned at the top of the show, the breeder stakes, you chose the winner. You're good at this. And actually, Anne, uh, there's a connection that uh, today, my first Ponies Pick uh, Woodbine, they have a 10-race card today. In race 7 is 7 furlongs on the turf, a maiden special weight for 3-year-olds and up, a purse of $111,600. Number 4, Capel River, hails from the barn of Lane Gilaforte, who is fresh off a win by touch and ride in last week's Breeder Stakes. This guy is also owned by Cheesewood Stables, also the owner of Touch and Ride, and is actually closely bred to Touch and Ride, being a son of Candy Ride and from a Nigon Dam. 
Capel River debuts today with a tremendous span of works, including three five furlong works since September 17th. And Lane hires friend of the show, Sophia Veeves, to ride today, and her five-pound apprentice weight allowance will certainly help. In a small sample, Lane and Sophia have won at 30% this year, and this uh, horse looks fit to maybe get it done first time out. Woodbine, race seven, number four, Capel River. Belmont at Aqueduct has an 11 race card with several stakes events with Breeders' Cup uh, invites hanging in the balance. Race 4 is a grade 1 turf classic with a purse of $500,000. Now if this race sounds familiar, uh, it has been a victim of poor weather and has actually been cancelled twice in the last week. In any case, it was redrawn and it goes as race 4 on today's card. Once again, my selection remains the same. As last week, number seven, Stove Age, who ran better than it looked when he was shipped over last summer to run in a pair of grade ones, uh, three-year-olds. Uh, then he returned in the fall to finish a good second in the Breeders' Cup turf. This guy reappeared at Saratoga in the grade one sword dancer, and Stone Age pressed the pace, actually led at the five-eighths, and tired at the end to finish fifth as a beaten favorite. Chad uh, Brown, the trainer, only had Stone Age in his barn for five weeks, so no doubt he probably needed the start. But since the sword dancer, Brown has worked Stone Age four times, including a one minute and three breeze over the turf. Brown is 28% with horses making their second start after a layoff over 180 days, and 28% with horses racing off a 31 to 60 day layoff. So Belmont at Aqueduct, race four, the Joe Hirsch Turf Classic, number seven, Stone Age. Santa Anita has a 10 race card today, and race one is a maiden special weight for maiden fillies and mares, three, four, and five years old. It's six and a half furlongs on the dirt, a purse of $61,000. Nine horses have been entered, including number four, Miss Monarch Bay, whose comeback race on September 1st at Del Mar was better than it possibly looked. In that race, Miss Monarch Bay broke from the tricky rail post and was shuffled back waited for room through to the turn, and then was noticed to be on the wrong lead once she got to the outside in what was a respectable comebacker. Miss Monarch Bay is a daughter of Into Mischief and was actually a $940,000 yearling purchase in 2021. Trainer Michael McCarthy is 23% with horses making their second start after a layoff of more than 180 days. And since that September 1st race, McCarthy has worked Miss Monarch Bay three times, so everything looks to be in good order with this well-bred filly. So Santa Anita, race one, number four, Miss Monarch Bay. And finally, Woodbine Mohawk Park has a 12-race card tonight, including the inaugural running of the Jimmy Freight Stakes. Race 5, though, is a one-mile pace for fillies and mares, a purse of $24,000. Ten horses have been entered, including number 8, Style for a Mile, who was left with a lot to do in her last start when she was 19 lengths back at the quarter pole after leaving from the 10 hole. She did close some in the stretch with a last quarter in a nice 26-3, and three, and trainer Richard Moreau drops the mare down in class tonight. This should help after a couple of vet scratches. She is now back on a regular schedule. She's an 11-time winner, and I believe with a better trip tonight, should have a great chance at win number 12. So Woodbine Mohawk Park, race 5, number 8, style for a mile. Thank you, Larry. Amazing, incredible, 
and so interesting as always. See you next Saturday. And before we go, a big shout out to Mark at Fans of Horse Racing. Hello, Mark. And goodbye and thank you all for joining us for this edition of Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Just a wee reminder, if you would like to receive a free digital copy of the current issue of Ponies 24-7 magazine, and by the way, a new one was released last week, please email Larry Simpson at theponies247 experience at gmail.com. Don't forget about the Ponies 24-7 Lymphoma Canada campaign, Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma. For more information on this, go to the landing page, lymphoma.ca slash ponies. Please donate to this worthy cause. Stay with 105.9 The Region all weekend long, and thank you so much for listening. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine with Ann Romer and Larry Simpson has been brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Tune in next Saturday morning at 8 for more from the world of horse racing. This is 105.9 The Region.